Today's guest is a truly interesting human. Born and raised in Toronto, she spent her formative years studying, living, and working in major cultural and fashion centers, including LA, New York, and London, just to name a few. International exposure to the fashion industry has given her great insight into what it takes to create a successful global fashion brand. She has worked in all facets of the business for the last 10 years, including merchandising, product development, sales, global sourcing, and manufacturing. Before starting her own company, she apprenticed in various markets of the industry, most notably in hot couture with Vivian Westwood at her gold label design studio in London. Here she helped create the collection featured in the famous and popular film, Sex in the City. My coffee date today is Uma Azda, the creator of Soul Style Fashion. On this episode, we chat about her spiritual connection to fashion, the one key thing every designer needs to have when starting a business, and how your breath can actually be correlated to success. You're listening to The Andrew Quelo Show, the world's only podcast dedicated to helping entrepreneurs in fashion. All right. Well, Uma, welcome to the podcast. Thanks so much for, for doing this with me. Um, you know, we've been trying to set this up for a little while now, and I'm happy to have you sitting here. Uh, you have a really interesting career in fashion and, um, you know, a background in, in business and fashion. And I'm excited to hear about that. Um, but I want to shout you out, first of all, because it's a Saturday. <laughs> and you took time out of your weekend to sit down with me. And I'm super grateful for that. And I can only think of one word, and that is hustler. So I'm <laughs> um, hoping I get that, uh, that vibe as we chat today. Um, but welcome. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Um, I would... I've done some research like I do with, you know, all my future guests. And I know that you have a really strong background in, uh, in education and business. And, uh, but before we get into that, mm-hmm. I want to learn a little bit more about Uma, the person, um, and like what makes Uma tick. Um, so we're just kind of chatting before we hit the record button. But like you're born and raised in Toronto? Born and raised in Toronto, yeah, yeah, from uh, the early part of my life. But I did leave, like, at a young age. But, my, but yeah, I was born and raised. I'm a proud Canadian, and I'm happy to be back and share everything that I've learned over the years with the next generation of designers. That's fantastic. And um, growing up in Toronto, I mean, I think we live in a different time now where there's a lot of brands out there that are Toronto-based, a lot of really great Toronto designers. Um, I just, uh, thinking back, I can't think of that many. I'm wondering, uh, growing up in the city, what kind of gave you that inspiration to, uh, where's the, the, what lit the flame uh, for, you know, fashion Mm. inside of you? Or what did that happen at a later age? Like, can you think back? Very young. Very young. Very young. Yes. Fashion. It's a part of my soul, you know, and I knew at a young age that I really, like, I started to make, in elementary school, I would, like, make dolls, and I would, you know, like, we would have fairs at school, and I would mm-hmm. sell my dolls, like, you know. You'd and, sell them? Yeah, like, you know, we would have, like, you know, sales, you know, like a bake sales, and then we would have, like, things, the teachers encouraged us to create things and sell them, so I remember at a young age, and I knew at, like, seven or eight, I wanted to be a designer. And it's odd because no one in my family is in the field. And yet how that got planted in my 
in my psyche, it, it's just something that I think I was destined to do. It's, it's, it sounds like destiny. Um, I was going to ask you, and obviously it doesn't seem that way, but a lot of people like have a role model in their life that uh, is either very fashionable. Like for myself, I always grew up, my mom was always looked great. Mm -hmm. um, I used to go shopping with her. So like that kind of inspired me, um, inspired that interest in fashion. And it's really interesting that you didn't really have that kind of scenario. Not necessarily someone in fashion, but my mom is an artist. Okay. She's a creative soul. Okay. And actually my father is too in his own right. And so I grew up like seeing, although my mom was busy raising the family, so she wasn't involved with that much art, but I remember looking at her art books from when she was growing up and I grew up, you know, knowing that my mom was very creative and she has a very good eye. So just in terms of like decorating the home or you know, picking out things. Like, she just has very good taste. Um, so I'm blessed with that. And my father is quite creative. He's a businessman, but um, he's very... Looking back at his photos from when he was young, he was very stylish. And he he is interested in fashion even to this day. So I suppose that influence I did have. But did any of us really know about the business of fashion and what it took to be successful in it? No, I had to learn that on my own. Yeah, tough, tough lessons, obviously. Very tough. Um, we're going to probably get into that later on. Mm -hmm. uh, so yeah, that, that that's interesting. You have that artistic, um, I guess, geniality inside of you that Indeed. kind of created that, that spark for fashion. So you've always had it. Mm -hmm. um, and... I know that you know, after high school, you went to U of T for international business? Yeah, um, international economics. Econ international yeah. economics. Yeah, and Spanish. But before that, I went to a high school of the arts. Okay, so you, okay, so you do have some uh, foundational educational background in the arts space. Yes, yes. Like, so throughout elementary, like I've been very blessed with wonderful teachers. And thank you to the Canadian education system. You know, because uh, my teachers saw something in me and they nurtured and developed my creative side. And I was um, lucky. I was a gifted child. So I was always in that gifted program. Um, so teachers always gave me extra projects and extra things to do. Uh, and I got to go to a high school of the arts, which was wonderful. So I always knew fashion was in me. And at the school, I was, you know, taking visual classes and I was able to start like organizing fashion shows. And, you know, so in high school, I was organizing fashion shows because we were high school of the arts. I brought together the music department, the art department, the dance department. And I was able to like, you know, help put on shows that involved all aspects of the high school. So that was great. So I knew that this was my thing, but growing up, I mean, uh, technically I'm a Capricorn, so I have a very strong business ethic and a work ethic. And I grew up uh, watching my father in business and I worked in his business. Uh, and he's a, he's a Virgo, very strong work ethic as well. What does he do? What, what was his business? He, um, his business was interesting. He worked with uh, electronics and he had a, a basically an electronics store and computers and things like that. But you had a first-hand experience to entrepreneurship and, and running a business. Yeah. And along. again, when I was young, I, in summer holidays, I wanted to go to work with my dad. So you had that like, natural entrepreneurial itch. Yes. Like, reflecting back, I was like, oh, okay, this has been a, who I am. 
it's interesting because a lot of times like artists and entrepreneurs or business people are like put on two different spectrums and you often don't find like a hybrid of the two. Um, you know, there's always that struggle of the artist not knowing how to have that business mind, which is interesting because you have both. Um, how come, why not take a fashion program then as you, you know, you're, you're, you're working through high school, you're obviously have this passion for, for arts and, and putting on fashion shows. Um, why U of T? Why international economics? Why like versus a fashion program? Yeah. So going back to my work ethic and my father's work ethic, I felt like I needed to go to university and get a degree. Mm -hmm. I was like, I just felt like security security and uh, being a role model for my siblings, mm -hmm. you know, and I wanted to be the first woman in my family history to go to university. Are you the oldest? Yes. Okay. Yeah. What, what's, what's your sibling look like? What does your family look like? Um, we're five girls. Oh my God. Yes. 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 Very interesting growing up. God bless your dad. God bless my dad. I was actually saying that in my heart because you, you verbalized it. Yeah. Yeah. You know, daughters are, are wonderful. So like it's, it was challenging, no doubt for my parents growing up. Um, but you know what? They have five best friends in the world and the way that a daughter cares for parents, it's like, you know, it's just very different, you know? So like, you know, anything happens, it's like we all go running if my parents need us. So no doubt it was, it was challenging. And still to this day, it's like, you know, everyone keeps my parents quite busy. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. So that's why I, I, want, I wanted to go to U of T. And because I have this, you know, I enjoy education. I enjoy learning. And I like, that's a part of who I am as well. So I thought, okay, let me go to U of T and uh, get a degree. And uh, that's what I did. So you got your degree at U of T. Yes. And then you took a, a long hike to LA. Yes. To UCLA mm -hmm. for business management. Yes. I went down there to start my MBA. Okay. Right. Um, and, you know, being Canadian, being new to the whole American school system. And I... I had applied to a master's program and I got in and I went down there for that. Um, but I realized like I went to, I realized that I went to the California State University system. And when I got there, my professors actually said, you should be at the University of California system. Like, so there's two systems, Cal State and the University of California. Um, because I was acing my classes, you know, and they were like, you should really transfer to UCLA. And so that was mid-year. And so then I transferred to UCLA and, um, and then I did this business management program. Cause once I got to LA, well, LA is amazing. And, um, I started to get design gigs without even having gone to design school. So it was really interesting. Like what kind of gigs? Like just... You know, there's so many musicians and actors, and I remember like there were some musicians musicians that wanted some costumes, you know, for for the stage, and I started doing like stuff like that, and I was like, this is really cool. I was like, you know what, I love you know 
love UCLA, love this program, but it's probably better that I pause the MBA, go to design school so I could learn pattern making and all that good stuff. And then I can always come back and do my MBA because I also realized I was really young to be doing my MBA. How old were you at this time, if you don't mind me asking? I mean, in my early 20s. Okay. Yeah. So I feel that an MBA you should do when you're older after like ascertaining a good amount of work experience because that's yep. what an MBA is. is like you share your work experience with your colleagues and your classmates and there's so much learning that comes out of that. But when you're so young and you have no experience, it's like... So I was like, I, I felt it was a good decision to like pause the MBA. And as it is, I was like, as a fashion designer, I have, I'm overqualified in terms of education. So I was just like, I don't, I might not even need to come back and finish it. Right. And so then I applied to design school in LA, got into the Fashion Institute of Design and Merchandising and uh, did my design degree. And what was the vibe like there compared to like the business program at UCLA? Was it just like this crazy room of creatives that you guys fed off each other? Like, I'm curious to hear about like what that experience was like for you. Did you feel more at home when you um, kind of enrolled there? Or was there a more sense of familiarity because you had that passion for fashion? Or, you know, what was that like for you? I mean, it was great, but remember, I'm equal left and right brain. Right. So I was really happy at UCLA mm -hmm. and equally happily, happy in design school. I mean, yes, my creative juices were flowing. I was able to do a lot more uh, creatively and, you know, expand my horizons, like with pattern making and draping and all that good stuff, which I really enjoy. Uh, but I, you know, I really loved both. And then, yes, you know, being around other creatives was fun. It was, like, great to be able to bounce ideas off of one another, get inspired by one another. It was a great milieu. Yeah. And is that what, would you say that experience is what kind of drove you to now take another hike over to London? Because um, you went to the University of Arts, if I'm not, if I'm not mistaken. Am I right? Uh, yes, 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 yes. And do, so do you, did that kind of um, culmination of creativity in L.A. kind of get you to take that step in, in, in going to London? Or like, what, what was your thought process like from cause your business, business, design, fashion, arts, um, and then your next step is to move to London? What, well, what was going I, through I mean, your head? My next step wasn't London right away. Okay. I did work and then... Um, in L.A.? I did work in L.A. Yes, I worked in L.A. And see, I've always just been passionate about the business. And I wanted to learn every aspect of the business. I wanted to... Like, design is only 5%, I would say. The rest is a business, just mm -hmm. like anything else. And so I really wanted to learn everything. I wanted to understand the production aspect. I wanted to understand sales. I wanted to understand how they do trade shows. And I wanted to get involved with all of these aspects. Um, and so I was working in LA and in different areas. You know, I started out with uh, juniors and then I went to young men's and then I, I went into um, contemporary and then I went into custom which I really loved so just for some context like are you designing for these different categories yes oh, I was you are designing okay. for the different brands for, but for, uh, as a as your own designer or for different brands yes, so what I kind of brands were you companies. working for 
I mean, um, they were they were like Californian brands, you know. Like I don't think you know any of the names now, but um, yeah. So I was working for companies in as a designer in these aspects, but it was just like, and then also you have to just flow in life as well, right? Like you just like one opportunity comes about, then another, then another. Um, <clears throat> excuse me, but when I was in design school. I'm just finishing design school. I got a job opportunity at Armani on Rodeo Drive. Okay. And that was amazing. You know, it was amazing working in that echelon. I love the world of luxury, you know, and being in that milieu, like on Rodeo Drive and working with high-end clients like that was just extraordinary. And I think that really planted the seed for custom and couture clothing. So... I, you know, I knew early on, okay, I really love this, but then I wanted to get experience as a designer and living in LA as a designer, you know, so then I got into juniors and, but then I ended up doing custom, which is couture in North America, and I loved it. And, but at that point, one thing that's always like influenced my career was my commitment to my family. And at that juncture, I was, you know, having a wonderful time in LA, designing for NBA players, NFL players, musicians, loving it. Life is good. Life is so good, right? right? Yeah. yeah. Living the dream, literally. Uh, yeah. Yeah. And, um, but at that point, my mom fell ill and I needed to come back to Canada, you know, to spend some time with her and take care of her. So then I came back. And then while I was here for some time, I thought, you know what? Uh, when mom's better, I'm going to obviously get back to fashion, but I wanted to really explore what it was like working in China and India, you know? And so then I ended up working with some offshore manufacturers, and then that took me to that part of the world. So I was able to, you know, go source fabric in Hong Kong. I was able to go to China to work with factories. I was able to go to India, Bangladesh, Pakistan, and explore what manufacturing was like in all these areas which was great. Um, and then life just ended up taking me to London and I worked for Vivian Westwood. I know that. That's a pretty awesome gig. Yes. Yeah. Very great. What was that experience like? Amazing. Um, and you, you worked in the design room? Yeah, I worked in the design room. So just very to give setting. people um, some context that might not know what that means, what is, what is that? Are you designing for her label or what does that look like? I was I was one member of the design team. It takes a village to create a collection. So the design room for Vivian Westwood for the gold label is very small, very intimate. She comes to that office. Um, so it was her team of, you know, uh, the design team, which we helped with fabrics and helping with cutting patterns and cutting samples. Her first sample makers were there. Her primary designers were there. You know, it was just two levels of just everybody that works on the collection. It wasn't any factories or no, no manufacturing there. Just developing the collection, designing and developing the collection. It's, it's a remarkable opportunity um, yes. to kind of to have. And I'm sure you learned a lot there. Yes. Um, how, how long... Did you have the opportunity to work there? Uh, about a year or so, yeah. And um, 
And then, you know, again, life. Just takes you. Life just takes you in different directions. Mm -hmm. And uh, like I was sharing with you earlier, yes, I've had a very interesting career in, in fashion, but my personal life is quite fascinating as well, you know. And um, so things just, you know, one thing affected another. And then I needed to, uh, working in design in London, it's like, or, or anywhere in Europe, really, you know, most design houses feel like it's an honor to be working for them, you know. So at that point, I had pressure to make more money. And so then I had to do something else where I was able to generate more money. The cost of living in London is very high. Uh, I've heard. Yes. Um, I've, I've heard that Toronto's starting to rival it, but... Um, Toronto's getting up there, no doubt. For sure. Yes, but it's nothing close to London. So... So does that influence your decision? Because I think your next step was working f at Hugo Boss here in Toronto? Or? Then, yes. And later, like, you know, so many things happened along the way. But, you know, uh, and then I did end up coming back to Toronto. Again, there were some family health issues and I just needed to be, be here. Yeah. And, um, and the thing is, it's very interesting growing up you know, born and raised Canadian, but my roots are Eastern. And uh, my family is somewhat, they're very open-minded, but still have very traditional roots as well. So my mom was just, you know, a lot of things were happening at home and she was just like, I just beg you to please stay in Toronto for a couple of years, just be here. And she's like, you know, with all your traveling, and she really wanted me to meet my, my husband. So she was like, you know, can you just stay put for a little while? Time to while? settle down yeah, a little bit, yeah, yeah. Can you try, you know? She's like, you're so intimidating to men because you're always traveling. And I was like, and at that point, I had moved, you know, moved around quite a bit, lived in so many different places. And uh, this, I basically, this opportunity with Hugo Boss just kind of fell into my lap. Just life. It's just life, yeah. you know? And... Uh, I ended up working there. Great, great experience because being the right hand to the president, you know, uh, was able to like really get a feel for what's happening in Canadian fashion. And Hugo Boss does really well in Canada. It's a good brand for the Canadian market. Mm -hmm. And so I was able to be a part of not only just the wholesale channel, but retail, um, the concession channel. So I learned a lot about the retail end of fashion. And to be honest, that's the stronger sector within fashion in Canada. Mm -hmm. We don't have a lot of manufacturing, but we're very strong in retail. Absolutely. Yes. Uh, we have a lot of great retailers and uh, yes. yeah, manufacturing is definitely something I wish uh, was a little bit more built up. Um, you know, I run a brand and our stuff is manufactured here, but it's, it's impossible to find good manufacturing here, which it's a shame. Mm -hmm. um, but that's interesting. It's, uh, so you, you have that really great retail background. Um, what do you think of the landscape now in, in, in Canada in terms, of, in terms of retail? Do you see a big shift um, as a business owner yourself? Or you know, how would you characterize the space now? It's in flux right now. A lot is, is changing. Like we've got these high-end department stores now, Nordstrom, Saks. They're changing things. There's a lot of shift. And um, 
It's really interesting. I just feel that we need to, we still, there's a lot of room for growth and development. So. In, ter in terms of, in terms of what, like? Um, well, look, we're, you know, we're a big country, like physically, but in terms of our numbers, we're still very small. So right now for our population to support so many big retailers uh, competing for this market share, it's really tough. So I feel that we're just in this period of a lot of change. You know, the landscape is changing. People aren't really going to stores. They're shopping online more, you know, but I think people are also realizing that shopping online, you end up missing the experience of retail. You end up missing the experience of customer service, that connection, you know? So we're in this interesting period where people are discovering like, yes, a lot of business went online, but now people are reassessing that and they're coming back to shopping in person. We're going back to brick and mortar, yep. but we have to make brick and mortar more interesting. Like so many of you listening to this episode, I spent a lot of time thinking about ways to generate incremental revenue in my business. Should we be advertising on social media? How about Google AdWords? It's totally overwhelming. And then it hit me. Isn't it easier to market and sell to people who are already customers or prospective customers? If you run an e-commerce store on Shopify, you have to think of Spently when you're looking to elevate the experience of your current customers and hot prospects. They make it easy for store owners to create beautiful email receipts, abandoned checkout emails, and other notifications with branded, personalized marketing messages and upsells. It's the easiest way to drive repeat purchases and convert abandoned checkouts with an easy-to-use platform and a top-notch analytics dashboard. Best of all, it only takes 30 seconds to install the app from the Shopify App Store. You just sign up, create some branded templates, and voila! I've tried other providers, and trust me when I say this, that Spendly is the best at what they do. You can take my word for it, or just try it out for free and see what all the fuss is about. All you have to do is follow the Spendly link in my Instagram bio, at Mr. Andrew Coelho. Now, back to our regularly scheduled programming. Yeah, it needs to be more of, uh, it needs to be more experiential. I was actually, yes. before you arrived, I was reading an article about um, millennials. Mm. And you would think that that demographic would shop more online, but in, in reality, they want more experiences and they'll spend yes. more money on products that are made a certain way and made in a certain place, yes. but they still want the experience. And in fact, they're actually going you know, younger millennials, and I don't even know what the next generation is called, but Gen Z, Zed. yeah, yes. yeah, they're uh, they're now going to malls more than any other demographic, which is really, really interesting to me. Um, so it's funny that you say like the the, the landscape is in flux because it is. Mm -hmm. um, I don't think anyone really knows what they want at this point. No, there's like uh, they want everyone wants the option. Um, mm -hmm. So it, it's really interesting. So. I'm curious because with all this great depth of, of, and breadth of knowledge that you have uh, in retail and in, and in fashion, um, you're, you're a mentor uh, at the Toronto Fashion Incubator. Yes. Um, if, if someone was to start a brand, 
or you know a, a designer was to start their own brand right now what would your what would the first step be what would like would you guide that person to still focus on you know retail wholesale or would the first step be to uh, launch online oh well it really depends it depends on what the business is depends on the individual there's so many things to factor in so many things so um, the first thing that you need to have is a plan right but before you have that plan you need to have a vision An idea yeah yeah and you have to be very strong in that vision because it's even more competitive like you know with online sales and online shopping online brands so if you don't if you're not very strong in your vision and what it is that you want to deliver to the world you it's very easy to get lost and washed up washed away <laughs> yeah you, you you have to you have to b believe in something um you know not everyone's going to see the vision your vision the way you see it and uh it's very easy to get derailed i find or have found um in my experience so I, I couldn't agree more with you. I think that you need to have that vision, you need to stay focused and, and maintain that drive. Um, so, And you got, you got to believe in yourself because fashion is not easy. Fashion is tough. It is one of the toughest businesses ever. It is ever. tough to stand out. It is tough to get people's attention. Uh, there's so many different nuances yeah um, whether it's margins or sourcing or whatever the case may be it's, and then on top of that you got to figure out sales right so it's 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 tough it's really tough do you think it's easier now to to launch a brand no you think it's harder i think it's harder what do you think it's harder because of the online presence yes more competitive yeah initially like i thought it would be easier but no it, it's actually like you have to now be very strong with your online presence, that means you have to show up online. You have to be able to be an influencer. You have to be able to talk. You have to be able to do videos. You have to be out there. You have to, you know, whereas before when it was just like selling, you know, at trade shows, for example, and just doing the wholesale uh, channel, it's very different because then you just have to go to trade shows, you present your line, you meet with buyers, and then they take care of like the sales. but. Now, when you're taking care of direct sales online, it, it, you have to deliver a lot more. You have to wear more hats. So I think it's harder, as it is in fashion. As an entrepreneur, you have to have wear so many hats. Mm -hmm. Hats that you're, a lot of people are probably uncomfortable with. Um, yeah. Because not everyone is a sales and a marketer, as mm -hmm. they are, you know, really sound operationally or, you know, behind the scenes. And I think that is a big struggle for... Up, upcoming designers nowadays, upcoming entrepreneurs, is that you really need to push yourself mm -hmm. to excel in every aspect of what it takes to have a successful business. Indeed, and you and and it goes back to really believing in your business and believing in yourself because you will get knocked down. A Things lot. will happen. Yes. Right. So if you don't have that strong belief and that strong desire to keep going, it's you know. It's not pretty. To bet on yourself. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Um, so it, it's funny that you say that, uh, that it, it's more challenging now. I, I probably agree with you. Um, we're still in that, like, 
there's still like a dichotomy in fashion. So it's, there's still that e-commerce channel and that wholesale channel. So for people that would want to still play that wholesale retail game, um, if I'm starting a brand, would, would you, what, what are your thoughts on hiring an agency to handle your sales versus handling your sales internally on your own? Speaking of wearing a lot of hats. Yeah, well, again, I would have to know like what your product is mm-hmm. and what what your goals are with, with your company and where you want to go to really give you the proper guidance on that. But I think, yes, having sales agents, it's important to really grow the business. And, um, and like I said, it's like, you know, that 10% that you end up paying that sales agent, for example, it's like, if you fact, if you look at all the time and the energy that you have to put in, in to get those sales, it's probably like, you know, worth a lot more than the 10% that you have to pay the salesperson. For sure. And you can reach a lot more people and there's still it's still very important to get yourself in stores. Yes, having an online presence is great, but people need to touch and see and feel your product. And going back to what we said, experience your product. You Abs- know? Absolutely. Yeah. Um, you know, it, it's funny that you say that because the brand that I run, Monty & Co., um, we sell you know, higher and I call it entry to luxury mm-hmm. travel bags and accessories. And one of the biggest challenges I think that we find is like everything looks great online. Um, you know, we, we spend a, a lot of money on assets. The website looks clean, but um, people still want to touch and feel it. Mm-hmm. And when I present the product in person to people, it, it almost, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? It just like exceeds expectations because mm-hmm. they see what they see online and sure they're probably impressed and interested but when they touch it and they mm-hmm. feel it mm-hmm. and they understand the quality and the craftsmanship and you know the the real raw materials that are into it it actually ma- it makes the discussion so much easier exactly to be honest exactly so i 100 yeah. percent get what you're saying yeah. um so having said all of this what would you know, given all your experiences, uh, whether it be at, you know, bigger brands like Hugo Boss or, um, you know, really distinguished designers like Vivian Westwood, what would the 20-year-old, what, what would Uma today tell the 20-year-old Uma? Hmm. Well, reflecting, I would, and this is very personal to my life, you know, it's, I would tell myself to just really like focus on my dreams and stay focused. I, over the years, have put my dreams aside um, to take care of others in my life. And reflecting back, now I should have, you know, so that's probably something I would have changed, you know, it's just to stay focused on. And um, and I would tell the 20 year old to enjoy the moment really enjoy the moment you know be here and now i'm a very spiritual soul like i get that from you yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, i'm like I, it's interesting but you know yoga when i was living in la i got introduced to yoga and i loved it and um so i'm also a certified yoga instructor meditation breathwork teacher so spirituality is very very important to me um and so yes so in upon reflection I would tell that 20-year-old 
soul to really enjoy the moment and not worry about the future. Like, be here, be now, enjoy this moment. I love that. Yeah. I have to tell myself that all the time. We I'm do. a chronic overthinker. We all are, and that's probably why we're in this business. Because yeah. you have to constantly be thinking. When you're in, as an entrepreneur, you never get to switch off. You are working 24-7. And being in fashion, not only are we working 24-7, but we have to be six months in a year uh, in advance. And we've got to think about so much. So I think it's very easy to miss the opportunity of being in the now. I agree with you. Yeah. It's, it's so challenging now. There's just so many external factors as well that can really distract you or... In, distract your focus but also cause you to overthink all the time mm -hmm. uh this it's i got you yeah. i'm with you on that yeah. one this is a perfect segue actually into my next question mm -hmm. um and i want to go into more of uh you know not so nitty-gritty not talk about your background but just kind of general rapid fire questions mm -hmm. um before we end off uh, but i love that you talked about spirituality um one thing i've been really interested in lately is uh you know, overall wellness, and I think a lot of entrepreneurs kind of don't realize how important that is to be successful in the long term. It's a marathon, not a race. And, um, you know, I really focus now on how much I sleep. Um, I try to do like micro meditations throughout the day. And I'm curious, given your connection and, and spirituality, um, is there any, any tr tips or tricks or routines or practices that maybe you have on a daily basis, whether it's being committed to seven or eight hours of sleep or, you know, really anything. Uh, is there anything that you follow or practice in, in your day-to-day -to, -day to, to kind of take care of yourself? Definitely, yeah, definitely. Um, this is, I mean, I could speak for a long time on this topic, but I definitely have my, my spiritual or energetic practices that I engage in every day. You know, so whether, and I'm grateful that I have a nice toolbox, you know, whether it's practicing yoga or sitting in meditation or chanting or doing, you know, whatever it is, I have a nice toolbox of different things I could, you know, every day choose whatever is resonating with my soul and, and engaging in that. So, yes, I start my day with some type of spiritual practice, for sure. And like how, how long do you spend in the, like, at the beginning of each day? doing something a minimum of 30 minutes okay if it's yeah if uh, but i i ideally an hour ideally and you just dedicate that time to yourself mm -hmm. that is uh shut shutting out all the noise from the world and just having your own kind of moment with just you to focus on your own energies and really building your own energetic system and i would highly recommend focusing on your breath. If there's one tip I have to give anyone, it would be to be mindful of your breath. Your breath is your best friend, right? It's our greatest gift. It's the first thing that brings us into this world, and it's the last thing that, that is with us at the end as well. So it's, our breath is our best friend, and we have to honor and respect our breath. So um, because of society, because of like all the influences that we have like we don't engage in deep breathing we breathe very shallow and so that takes us into a state of anxiety mm -hmm. just naturally when you're not breathing deep so i would i encourage everyone to breathe deep take the breath deep into your belly and expand the belly and if you could just be mindful of your breath i think it would change a lot in your life and do you, do you find that 
you know, going through routines like that in the morning creates um, more focus or more energy throughout the day? Or like, what are some of the, can you share some of the benefits of maybe doing that? Yeah, um, being definitely more focused, having more physical energy. uh, And just like my energies are more amplified and I end up attracting a lot more. You know, the higher your frequency and vibration, the more you attract into your life. You know, anything that's negative is a low frequency anger, jealousy, hate. If you measure it on, on a frequency meter, those are very low frequencies. You know, but things like love, positivity, joy, uh, connection with others, very high frequency. So once you're in that higher frequency realm, you end up attracting other people who are on that level. And you need that to be successful in any business. Absolutely. I, I love where you're going with this and I want to keep going a little further because I think that, um, you know, being an entrepreneur, uh, you know, this is going to be very cliche, but there's ebbs and flows and there's waves and, and lows, right? And those lows are scary sometimes. Mm-hmm. I mean, I've experienced them myself where it's, it's hard to get out of bed. Um, you know, you're just really down on yourself. Yeah. And so, I think it's important that entrepreneurs are aware of that and have mechanisms to, to help climb out of it. Indeed. Um, so breathing, breathing, number one. It? Number one. Okay. Be mindful of your breath. Breathe deep. I'm going to go home and like YouTube top breathing exercises. for. Yeah. I mean, just being mindful of your breath and taking your breath into your belly. Simple. Cool. It's the simplest thing. I'm going to add that to my routine. Just breathe. Like, let's just breathe deep right now together. Deep breath. Yeah. On three. Uh, in, inhale through the nose, keep the mouth closed, and breathe deep into the belly and expand the belly. I felt really good. Right? You feel the energy go to your brain. You feel it go through your chakras. Yeah. Yeah. And it's just simple. It's powerful. Very simple. Very powerful. Yeah. And we, we are gifted this. We're gifted this, you know, and people forget that our breath is our greatest gift. Absolutely. We're yeah. nothing without it, really. Literally, we're not. <laughs> um, that's awesome. This, that I'm, I'm going to be a daily breather from now on. Good. <laughs> um, so my next kind of rapid fire question is you've traveled quite a bit. Yes. Um, and being that I create travel bags and accessories, I'm just naturally interested in this question um, selfishly, but What's like your, do you have like a number one travel tip? Uh, could be anything, like a hack, anything that comes to mind when you're traveling that you're just like, yep, I got to do this. Well, the first thing that comes to mind is always traveling with a good scarf or shawl. Okay. Right? Because it's actually, it's a great layering piece. You take it on the plane, use it as a blanket. You could use it as a pillow. You never know where you're going to end up going. Temperatures could be different. So if you have a great scarf or shawl that's multifunctional and good neutral color that you could just rock in different you know settings i think that's great like i i don't leave home without one that's a great hack that's a really good good tip um how about knowledge wise uh if you if you had a book that you could recommend to an aspiring designer or entrepreneur or really whoever like what would that book be well, a uh, book that I'm reading now is uh, Becoming, Michelle Obama's book. Okay. I've, right? I've heard rave reviews about it. Yeah, and it's like, it, it's just so important. You know, she talks about how we evolve. And 
and we become, and we're always evolving and becoming something. So there's no final destination. I mean, just look at my career in fashion, right? Like, I've, I've gone from designing to learning about production to working with high-end luxury. Like, maybe I should have just stayed in one category, but with every new phase, I've evolved and I've developed, and all of this experience has helped me now be at this point where I'm able to share and help other entrepreneurs start their business, you know, and really be able to guide them. So maybe when I graduated from design school, I didn't know I would be doing this, but experience, time, you know, it has evolved me into this being. So, and I'm just like, okay, this is cool. This is where I'm at now. In another five years, I'll evolve into another being, you know, mm -hmm. and that's okay. Yeah. And it's totally okay. Like, no more, like, you know, I was, you know, maybe a while ago I was feeling bad. It's like, oh, so many people, like, they're settled and they're married and they have homes and they have children and they have, like, you know, careers in one area. And I've traveled all, you know, and I've been all over the world doing different things, you know. But that's okay. That's my story and that's their story. And we all evolve at our own rates. I, I couldn't agree more. I think there's this... Uh this notion with like keeping up with the Joneses and you know, my friends over here making $300,000 a year and my friends over here doing the same and they have families and they're traveling all the time. And you know, it, sure as, as someone that has their own vision and their own truth or they're trying to create that truth that can become very distracting, mm -hmm. but I'm with you. I think that, uh, you know, you need to stay true to your vision and stay on, your path if you truly believe that that's your path and just let things happen and sometimes i find in my life when i'm uh in rocky waters i start telling myself just let just let shit happen for yeah. the lack of yeah. you know better word and and everything will work itself out and i'm kind of embracing your you know your free-spirited mentality lately because I do think that everything happens for a reason and you know eventually we will get to where we're supposed to be yes and to just let it happen not fight it and not overthink it mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. it's really and, and I know it's very easy when you go through those tough times especially in fashion it's very easy to get down but I highly recommend to any entrepreneur coming into the world of fashion like try to be maintain equanimity like be equanimous, you know, the good times, great. Don't get overexcited. The bad times, don't get too down. Just be equanimous. That's one of, you know, one of my teachers taught me that. Um, and it was one of the most important lessons. And I have to remind myself every day. It's tough. It's tough. Yeah. I mean, even though I have, you know, all this knowledge, but I still have to remind myself every day. There are good days and bad days, but like, that's why you have to have your tools. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, breathing. Mm -hmm. um, I'm sure you've met some interesting people along your path, along your journey. Yes. Um, you know, we've mentioned Vivian Westwood a few times. Uh, who, if you could have dinner with anyone in the fashion industry right now, anybody, absolutely anybody, who would it be? Great question. I mean, there's so many, right? But as a Canadian... I would like to sit down with Alfred Sung. Did not expect to hear that. Yeah. I thought it would have been like, I don't even know, like, you know, Virgil or I don't know. But Alfred Sung, why? 
You know what? Because um, he is one of the, like, he, he really made it in Canadian fashion. And I'm just curious to know, like, I, I've, you know, read about his life, but I'm curious to know who this man is. And, um, and just talk about, you know, Canadian fashion and what we could do to evolve it and how it's evolved. I, yeah, I know. As a Canadian, I have so much respect and honor for him. And yeah, there are so many fascinating people in the world, but he is one of them as well. And the people don't even know. Like, outside of Canada, not too many people know about Alfred Sung. And I say, let's celebrate our national heroes. And he is a national hero to me. Yeah, I remember uh, growing up, and uh, like I said earlier, my inspiration for fashion was, you know, from my mother. And she would go shopping all the time, uh, and I would go with her. And I just, I remember seeing Alfred Sung, like, everywhere Mm -hmm. as a kid, you know. And obviously had no idea who he was or what the brand was. But um, I think it's interesting now that you're saying that that would be your your person because I, I wouldn't have thought of that, but that it's it's cool. And, and you're right. Like such an influential, um, you know, designer brand, everything in, mm-hmm. in, our, in our space. Yeah, he took us international. Yeah. You know, and I don't, yeah, I feel like he needs to be honored. So yes, if I had, as a Canadian and as a Canadian designer, I would want to honor, you know, him first. That's really cool. My next venture is going to be a matchmaker uh, setup where I'm going to take all the dinner guests that my podcast guests request and like try to connect them. Ah, that would be cool. Fabulous, yeah. (laughs) I don't really have the time for that, but it's it's I'm going to make note of it for sure. Um, Okay, so before we sign off, uh, this has obviously been amazing. Um, you are incredibly intelligent and insightful and have so much knowledge that I know you're going to keep giving back to aspiring designers and Canadian fashion and, you know, the whole bit. Um, so do you, before I let you go, do you have any last parting words you want to share? Any, um, any way that, you know, listeners can connect with you, whether it be on social, uh, what are you up to now? Maybe you want to, something you want to share? Open mic. Uh, great. Well, interesting. Um, I am now working on bringing my worlds of fashion and spirituality together. Refresh my memory. It's called uh, Soul Style? Soul Style. Yes. Yeah. So it's, um, I want to bring, make people aware of tuning into their own style, tuning into who they are, you know, and you can do that by connecting to your heart and soul. And I just feel like I want to see more individuality. I want to see more creativity. I want to see people express themselves more. You know, let's not be dictated by what brands are telling us to wear, you know, or the runways. Like tune into who you are, express who you are. Let me see what you're all about and let's use our clothing to do that, you know? It's a great avenue to express yourself and I want to bring more consciousness to fashion. So fashion is wonderful, but we are the number two polluter in the world. Mm -hmm. And as I'm going deeper in my spirituality, I can't be a part of the problem anymore. I need to be a part of the solution. We all do. Yeah. Yeah. And so bringing awareness to that is the direction that I'm moving into. 
So I feel like that is bringing my worlds of fashion and spirituality together. So I want to make people more aware of their impact, the power that, that we all have in our buying choices and how we're impacting the environment and humanity. So I see myself moving in that direction. And, um, and this next year, I'm thinking about not taking on as many clients, like really just selecting you know, a few and um, focusing on writing because I'm so grateful. I have had this beautiful, interesting, colorful life. Very unusual, especially for a woman from my cultural background, you know? I never got to ask you. You said you were from out east, like your family comes from yes. e the east. Yes, I mean, what? I was born in Toronto, mm -hmm. and uh, my dad was born in Delhi, and my mom in Karachi, okay. you, you know? And so, yeah, so like I have like this beautiful rich history to and heritage that I can draw upon you know um, but it's been very interesting because I'm not the norm at all you know and um, so it's been an interesting ride trying to be a part of the eastern and the western world and still be an individual so I feel like I have a lot to share so writing is really calling to me Okay, so where are we going to be able to find your writing? Do you have a, uh, is it going to be a blog, a website? Like, I'm working on that right now. Okay. I'm, I'm working on how I will like share this work. Okay. Yeah, so I will keep you posted. And I will keep everyone else posted. Thank you. Awesome. Yeah. Well, Uma, this has been a, a pleasure. Um, thank you so much for taking the time again on a Saturday. Uh, brownie points for you for that. And... Uh, yeah, I wish you nothing but success in the next chapter of your journey. And thanks again for, for doing this with me. Thank you. Thank you for having me. It was a pleasure. You've been listening to The Andrew Quelo Show. If you enjoyed this episode, it would mean the world to me if you can rate and review us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Don't forget to follow me on Instagram at Mr. Andrew Quelo, and make sure to visit my website at andrewquelo.ca to subscribe to my email newsletter. I hold a weekly giveaway, and the only way to find out about it is if you're in my community of fashionpreneurs. Stay tuned for next week's episode as I have some awesome guests lined up for the show.